to prepare our hearts for the passage that he will be preaching from today, I would like to uh, invite Micah Sonbol and, and Ali Gallo to come up at this time because they are going to read God's word for us. You can find the scripture in your bulletin, so you might want to get ready for that and look for that. Uh, but these guys, I'm going to put this down at your level so you can, you can use this, Micah. Now, just a quick heads up. Give us that global flavor. Micah is going to read this passage of Scripture in French, and then Ali will be reading it in English. Before they read... The two and three-year-olds are dismissed to splash. So we've been glad to have you guys with us. Hey, I knew that. No, thank you, Heather, for reminding me. So all the two and three-year-olds, we're going to let them. Can we just let them go? And then you guys can just sit here and wait. And you can smile at everybody out here. And so <laughs> this is Micah and this is Allie. What you got for us there, Matt? Oh, Matt wants us to know... Oh yeah, these are these, uh, as you walked in today, these are little post-it notes of all the gifts that many in our church kind of bring, gifts and skills that God has given you that you can offer to the world. So appreciate you doing that, Matt. Okay, Micah Sanbol is going to read in French, and then you can pass this microphone to Allie and she'll read it in English, okay? Frères et sœurs chrétiens, Dieu est plein de bonté pour nous. Alors je vous demande ceci, offrez-lui votre personnage et votre vie. C'est le sacrifice réservé à Dieu qui lui plaît. Voilà le vrai culte que vous devez lui rendre. Ne suivez pas les coutumes du monde où nous vivons, mais laissez Dieu vous transformer en vous donnant une intelligence nouvelle. Ainsi, vous pouvez savoir ce qu'il veut, ce qui est bon, ce qui lui plaît, ce qui est parfait. Dieu m'a donné gratuitement ses bienfaits. Je peux donc dire à chacun de vous, ne vous croyez pas plus important que vous n'êtes, mais que chacun se juge comme il est, selon la mesure de foi que Dieu lui a donnée en partage. En effet, dans notre corps, il y a plusieurs parties. Elles ne font pas toutes la même chose. De même, nous qui sommes plusieurs, nous formons tous ensemble un seul corps en étant unis au Christ. Et nous sommes tous unis les uns les autres, chacun à sa place, comme les parties d'un même corps. Nous avons reçu de Dieu des dons. Et ils sont différents pour chacun de nous. Alors si quelqu'un a le don de parler comme un prophète, qu'il parle en accord avec foi commune à tous. Si quelqu'un a le don de servir, qu'il serve. Si quelqu'un a le don d'enseigner, qu'il enseigne. Si quelqu'un a le don d'encourager, qu'il encourage. Celui qui donne doit donner sans compter. Celui qui dirige la communauté, communauté doit le faire avec ardeur. Celui qui aide les pauvres doit le faire avec joie. Que votre amour soit vrai. Détestez le mal. Attachez-vous au bien. Aimez-vous de tout votre cœur comme des frères et sœurs chrétiens. Soyez toujours les premiers à vous respecter les uns les autres. Servez le Seigneur activement, sans paresse et de tout votre cœur. Soyez dans la joie à cause de votre espérance. Restez patient dans la malheur. Continuez à prier fidèlement. Aidez les chrétiens qui en ont besoin. Recevez bien ce qui vient chez vous. Souhaitez du bien 
à ceux qui font souffrir. Souhaitez du bien et non du mal. Soyez dans la joie avec ceux qui sont dans la joie. Pleurez avec ceux qui pleurent. Soyez bien d'accord entre vous. Ne cherchez pas de grandes choses, mais laissez-vous attirer par ce qui est simple. Ne vous, ne vous prenez pas pour des sages. Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is a spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern that what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say, everyone among us, you not to think to himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned for For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, thou many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proposition to faith, if served in our serving, the one who teaches and teach in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy and cheerfulness, the Let us be genuine, able to his evil, hold fast what is good, love one another, and be brotherly affection ought to do to another in showing, in showing the, In showing to in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in contribution, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of saints, be seek to the hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty in your own sight. Allie and Micah, thank you so much, great job. Good morning. 
You probably heard that passage, you're thinking, this is gonna be a super long message. <laughs> There's so much in that passage. Um, but uh, hopefully it won't be, uh, and we'll really get to those two words of uh, restored and connected. Now, have you ever played a uh, word association game? In other words, someone says a word, and you say the first word that comes to your mind when you hear that word. For example, I say the word vacation. What comes to your mind? You can just keep that to yourself, but vacation. What immediately comes to mind? I'm going to give you some more. So find a blank spot in your bulletin, uh, because we're going to actually be using your bulletin quite a bit this morning. Find a blank spot in your bulletin. I'm going to give you a word, and you write down the first word that comes to mind when I say that word. Here we go. Saturdays. What comes to mind? Saturdays. Second word. Gelato. Third word, Downton Abbey. That was for my wife, Downton Abbey. All right, last word, what comes to mind? Mark McKinney. <laughs> now, uh, the next one, to be honest, uh, I'm gonna be, I'm, I'm changing gears a little bit. This isn't a test, it's just a word association. What's the first word that comes to your mind when I say the word Bible. Write it down, one word, Bible. And if I expand that a little bit to the message of the Bible, what comes to your mind? The message of the Bible. Again, it's not a, a test. Whatever comes to mind in a word or a sentence, message of the Bible. Now, your mind may have froze, and this is a no-judgment zone, like crunch fitness, no-judgment zone. Your first association, when I said message of the Bible, may have been positive. You know, God is love, I don't know. Uh, it might have been negative. Uh, particularly when I said the word Bible, it may be boring, or I don't know, whatever it might be. Whatever you wrote, it probably indicates some assumption that you have about the Bible. And your word association isn't everything you think about the Bible and God. It's not what you're probably gonna think of five minutes from now. Your association, as I said, could be super positive, or it could be a hurdle you have to get over every time you think about the Bible or God. Now, this month, we've been exploring the core message of the Bible expressed in our four-part vision. Good news for the lost, good news for the found, good news for the city, and today, good news for the world. And that raises the question, what is the good news in this book? Today, we're exploring good news for the world. And there are two words that I hope that you will associate with that phrase, good news for the world after today. And those two words are the words that Sarah mentioned earlier. Those are restored and connected. Restored and connected. We are restored by God, and we're connected with God's family all around the world. 
And that restoration and connection are both good news. And it's through that connection with God's global family that we bring good news to the world. We partner with the global church to bring the gospel to the nations. Now, from its opening pages until its final chapter, the Bible is about restoration and redemption. Whether you believe in God or not, isn't this what you long for too? Redemption in your life for all that's broken to be restored? You know, the psalmist captures our plea for God to restore what's broken in our lives. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved, he says in Psalm 80. And I think our hearts often resonate with stories of redemption. Some movies track a a theme of redemption and that theme moves us to tears personal stories that we hear of redemption evoke powerful emotions in us. I think it's we long for redemption. Now, if you follow the Tour de France like Mike does, uh, you know about Mark Cavendish's story of redemption. Mark had been sick with Epstein-Barr. He was getting older. He thought his professional cycling career was over. But suddenly, literally less than a week before the tour began, Mark Cavendish was called up to ride in the Tour de France, and he had one of the most remarkable comeback stories in sports, winning four stages and tying Eddie Merck's 34-stage wins, a record that had been standing for 50-plus years. And after tying uh, Merck's record, Cavendish, I remember watching this on TV, Mark Cavendish was just sitting on the road, sobbing with uh, disbelief and gratitude that he'd been restored to the tour, restored to his team, and had this amazing ride of redemption. Right now, the Paralympics are going on, and you've probably heard of Jessica Long. Before these games began, she had already won 13 Paralympic gold medals in swimming. But no one ever thought that would be part of her story, ever. In her own words, Jessica was a girl born with no legs and adopted from a Russian orphanage. But her adopted parents gave her a new life and new hope. And she recalls, this is what she wrote on her Instagram account, my adoptive parents wanted me truly and completely and loved me even before my success. I feel such grace towards them for what they went through when they adopted me. They wanted me truly and completely. And God wants you truly and completely. He wants to adopt you into his family. He wants to bring the restoration that you desire in the deepest parts of your life but sometimes can never seem to get. You know, Jeremiah 30 describes God's promise, I will restore you and heal your wounds. You know, when God lived among us as Jesus Christ, he visually demonstrated this message 
by restoring people physically and freeing them from demonic powers. Then through his death and resurrection, Jesus paid the penalty for sin we owed his life for ours, paving the way for our relationship with God, with others, and with ourselves. And that restoration God brings inside us, changing our internal narrative from I am undesirable and alone to I am dearly loved, and the restoration God brings in our relationship with him and with others is good news. This restoration, it's good news for us. It's good news for the world. In Christ, anyone from anywhere can be restored. Restored. You know the first thing that happens when our relationship with God is restored is that he connects us to his family. We're connected to a family that stretches around the world and throughout time. This truth is made clear in the scripture we read earlier that was read to us in two different languages from Romans 12. So I want you to open your bulletin back up to that scripture passage. And in your bulletin, it's in the New Living Translation. And I want you to just take a look at that. Because chapter 12 is the turning point, as, as many of you know, in Paul's letter to the Jewish and the Gentile Christians living in Rome. Now, the first 11 chapters of Romans describe all that God has done for humanity. First 11. Romans 12 describes humanity's appropriate response to God's grace. And it's a response of surrender to God and then humble service as members of Christ's one united body. Now, Paul begins Romans 12 by encouraging his readers to offer themselves wholeheartedly to God. And then look at verse two there. It says, and to let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's in verse two there in your bulletin. And I think one of the first things that needs to change is how we think about members of God's family who are different from us. You know, in Paul's time, the relationship between Jews and Gentiles was marked by both tension and condescension, looking down on people. And this prompted Paul to begin his teaching on body life with a warning. Look at there, at there in verse three. This warning, don't think you're better than you really are. Don't think you're better than you really are. Now, we can relate to the tension that Jews and Gentiles felt. We know what it's like, uh, like to live in a polarized society. We feel irritated or maybe dismissive towards people who don't share our views. We know that tensions rise quickly, and it's easy to be patronizing even towards fellow Christians. Reflecting on this passage, African theologian Takumbo Ariemo wrote this. He writes, Believers must learn to live side by side. The first thing they must watch out for is pride because we're all equal before God. No group or individual can claim to be better than others. We're all saved by grace through faith. Pride undermines unity in the church. So as we think about missions, 
our first step in missions, which is reaching out across language and culture barriers with the gospel, is to embrace our position within the global body of Christ with humility. You and I sitting here this morning, we are a slice of the global church. We're not at the center of the global church. We don't have preferred status in God's church around the world. It isn't us, North Americans, launching out on our own to save the world. It's us working collaboratively with the global church and often from a position of follower and colleague, not leader. So if we're to work with others around the world, who are these brothers and sisters in Christ? And kids, I'm about to, you're gonna, I'm gonna need your help in just a second, so get ready. Here's the question, and, and also for the kids, in your bulletin there, there's a, your special worship folder, there's a little picture of a person. So take a look, try to find that in your special bulletin, because you're gonna do something with that in just a second. Here's the question for all of us, though. When you think of a typical Christian in God's global church today, where are they from? What language do they speak? Are they wealthy or poor? Male or female? Urban or rural? How should we picture, or maybe even, you know, how do you right now picture the average Christian in the world today? So, in your bulletin, what I want everybody to do is to just write a couple descriptors and then, <laughs> this may sound crazy, draw a picture of what you think a typical Christian looks like. Again, no judgment zone, just do it. Uh, if you have no idea, take a guess. I'm gonna give you like 60 seconds and just write down what does, how should we picture the average Christian in the world today? Draw a picture, write some descriptors, some adjectives, go for it. You got like 60 seconds. You can work with somebody too if you want to. Okay, in the 1980s, for the first time since the first century, the global church became predominantly non-Western. Paul Borthwick, missiologist Paul Borthwick writes, Christianity is now primarily a non-white, non-Western, non-wealthy religion. Now to visualize what the global church looks like today, I'm gonna have our youth, that's kindergarten through grade five, help us out. So, if you're in kindergarten through grade five, please stand up. I'm being serious here. Stand up, if you're, and ra raise your hand in case you're not like super tall. But if you're, uh, <laughs> okay, kindergarten through grade five. All right, we're gonna need some more help than this. Uh, all right, that's pretty good. You know what? Let's have everybody stand up. <laughs> I thought we were going to have close to 100. As, have everybody stand up. And we're all going to do this together. If 100 Christians 
represented global Christianity, 67 would live in Asia, Africa, Latin America, or Oceania, while 33 would live in Europe or North America. So everyone on this last section here, sit down. You guys can sit down. You are the 33 Europeans and North Americans. The rest of us are the 67 Asians, Africans, Latinos, and folks from Oceania that make up the majority of the church around the world today. North Americans, you are in the minority in Christ church today. This 67 here, it's a little more than that, but uh, standing also represent our brothers and sisters in Christ who live in urban instead of uh, uh, rural areas. Most people in the church today are city people. Okay, the 67 can sit down. And this group of North Americans, go ahead and stand back up, the 37. You represent our brothers and sisters in Christ who have little access, little to no access to secondary education. Kids, secondary education means you don't go to high school. Now, I know that for some of you that sounds awesome. <laughs> I'm almost done with school. But what that really means is that it's tough to get a job and provide for your family. 33 out of 100 have little to no access to secondary education. Okay, everyone stand back up again. Most Christians in the world today live in countries with moderate to high corruption, about 80% of you, which means it's hard to be treated fairly unless you give someone money, which means if you're poor, you can't get help or the jobs you need. And about 35 of you live in countries with low development. All right, everybody go ahead and have a seat. Thank you for uh, being involved with this. That's a little picture of what our family as followers of Jesus Christ look like. So take a look at the picture that you drew. And I hope you're tracking with me and just doing it just for fun. Um, take a look at the picture you drew of the typical Christian in God's global church today. And how close was your description? Research shows that the typical Christian today is a non-white woman living in the global south, the southern hemisphere, the southern half of the world, with lower than average levels of societal safety and proper health care. And this represents a vastly different Christian than that of 100 years ago, who was likely a white, affluent European. Friends, our family is changing. And this change is what historian Philip Jenkins describes as one of the most transforming moments in the history of religion worldwide. If you were alive in the 80s, you lived through one of the most uh, transforming moments in the history of religion worldwide. Jenkins continues, the era of Western Christianity has passed within our lifetimes, and the day of the Southern Church is dawning. The fact of the change itself is undeniable. It's happened, and it's going to continue to happen. In fact, in just the last 40 years since I was in high school, the church in Africa grew 466%. The church in Asia grew 310%. The church in Latin America grew 130%. The church in North America grew 31%, lagging only behind Europe which grew 17%. So thank God for this incredible growth of his church 
in Africa, Asia, and Latin America. And Christ's church continues to grow all over the world. Now, Barna research shows that there's a fairly strong narrative, believed by 20-somethings, that past mission efforts were patronizing and unethical. And there are absolutely elements of truth in that narrative. There are also extraordinary examples of sacrificial missionary service in the past, which has led to the growth in Christ church today. What's undeniable is the growing strength and maturity of the global church, and that it has changed dramatically in our lifetimes. So we relate to this church, which is so much bigger than ourselves, from a posture of humble inquiry and active listening. It's like, help me understand you. Help me understand and appreciate your context, your unique challenges, growth, what you've learned, what you know. Help me understand you. Our involvement in bringing good news to the world begins by recapturing this attitude of humble partnership that Paul promoted 2,000 years ago. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be humble. I think it's good news that we are part of this incredibly diverse body of Christ. We humbly work with this body in witness to the world. It's not something we can do without them. And that's exactly Paul's second point in our passage. Take a look back at your bulletin, verse five, because here's what Paul says. We are many points of one body and we all belong to each other. Now to describe the value and interdependence of every person in God's family, Paul uses the most personal and powerful metaphor available. That is that Christ followers are a body. Now every person intimately knows their physical body. They want their whole body to function well. Kids, if you're sitting there, make a muscle for me right now. You want your body to function well. Let me see some muscles here. Yeah, mark his muscle. You know, that's pretty good. Uh, nice. Okay, that kid's ripped. Uh, when Paul says we all belong to each other, what's amazing is he includes Gentile Roman believers with Jewish believers as members of one body of Christ. And there Paul's describing something that is extraordinary and perhaps unprecedented, this unity of believers across racial, ethnic, cultural, and economic boundaries. There are not multiple bodies of Christ. There is only one body of Christ, and that body is characterized by unity, diversity, and mutuality. In this body, every person matters. We're strong when we value each other. All right, take a look at verse six in your passage there. Verse six, in his grace, God intentionally gives every member of, his, of this one global body different gifts for doing certain things well, and these gifts and, and abilities and the aptitude to develop certain professional skills are a gracious expression of God's generosity and his willingness to empower his followers. As theologian N.T. Wright explains, God's way of running things is to share power. Now when I read, I thought that's extraordinary. God Almighty, his way of running things 
is to share power. Members of Christ's body don't haphazardly have certain gifts and skills which God blends together. God doesn't skillfully mix unexpected ingredients like a winning contestant on a cooking competition show. God doesn't do the best he can with what he's got. God intentionally equips every member of Christ's body with unique gifts and skills to do certain things well so that this whole one global body can thrive. Now, our responsibility is to use and develop those gifts to their fullest capacity. And our gifts and skills benefit everyone, both inside and outside Christ's body. Paul doesn't limit believers to only serving, leading, teaching, encouraging fellow believers. God equips Christ's followers to benefit the body of Christ and their community. So individuals gifted with leadership skills help their church and they help their company make wise decisions. They empower and inspire people in both contexts. Christians gifted with showing kindness bring communities together through their thoughtful acts of neighborly concern. Probably many of you are doing that in your neighborhoods right now. Church children's programs and local schools rely on the same individuals to skillfully use their teaching gift. So God's gift, God's gifts to his church ripple through society, benefiting the common good. In summary, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. That's Paul's summary in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. And we help each other with genuine affection. Look at how Paul ends this section in verse 10. Take a look back at that passage again. In verse 10 he says this, love each other with, what words does he use? Anybody can say, anybody who's still awake? Uh, oh, yeah, oh, with all your heart, yes, and with genuine affection, he says. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. You know, the list of gifts in Romans 12, which is not exhaustive, could promote competition. Genuine love promotes collaboration and delight when others thrive. So we use our unique gifts in a spirit of love to build the church so that, as Paul writes in Ephesians 4, the whole body of Christ is healthy and growing and full of love. So missions is characterized by humility and by genuine affection and respect for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. Missions is fundamentally relational. Our first step in missions is toward the global church. And together with them, we reach out and witness to the world. And that's why I think our missions vision at LBC is so good. Transformed by the grace of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, our vision is to mobilize the congregation of Lake Baldwin Church to partner with the global church to bring the gospel to the nations. You know, from my perspective, the traditional starting point for missions engagement is the lost. We go to reach the lost wherever they are. And once we're there, we find out if anybody in a local church wants to work with us to fulfill our vision to reach the lost. And I don't think that viewpoint is appropriate anymore. Today, our starting point is the global church. 
we connect with the church around the world and ask them how we can work with them to reach the lost in their region. Our final goal is the same, to reach the lost. The traditional start path starts with thinking about the lost and, and then discovering if the local church wants to work with us. Today's path starts with thinking about the global church and then discovering if and how we can join them in reaching the lost in their region. You know, Romans 12 asks one of the life's uh, greatest questions, and that is, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? And as you take a look back at that passage there in Romans 12, what do you see as God's will for your life? In verses one and two, we see to surrender to God, allowing God to transform our thinking and behavior. That's God's will for your life. To treat our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world with humility and respect. That's God's will for your life. To use our God-given gifts and skills for the good of others. That's God's will for your life. And to love our global family with genuine affection. That's God's will. This is how God wants us to live. And it's the starting point for bringing good news to the world. So God's on a mission to bring restoration to people from every nation, tribe, language. He has restored us. He's connected us with his global church to be on his mission together. Missions is partnering with the global church to bring the gospel to the nations. And Paul summarizes this joyful collaboration with these words, I love this, as striving side by side for the sake of the gospel. That's missions, striving side by side for the sake of the gospel. Participation in God's mission isn't for a select few. It's for every Christian. In his comprehensive study of the mission of God in Scripture, theologian Chris Wright summarizes a theme consistently running through the Bible. This is the theme. God's people are the object of his blessing and the instrument of his blessing to the world. You and I receive the gospel so that we will share the gospel to all nations. We come into Christ and he sends us back out connected to a global family with good news for the world. Now, how do we do that? If it's for all of us, how do each one of us sitting here this morning do that? How can we engage in God's mission? I got four ideas as we close. And the first one is connect with an LBC-supported missionary or missions partner. Get to know them and get behind them. Earlier, Mike introduced all of our LBC missionaries and mission partners. Again, if you're, if you're still here in the room, if you're an LBC missionary or missions partner or representing one of them, could you just stand for just a moment? It's the Bowlings, the Bowles, the Jennings, the Kozowskis, the Myers, Sydney Owens, ICC, Mission to the World, Pathway Learning, Partners for Global Health. You're gonna have a chance to get to know them or learn about their ministry immediately following the service. Kids, uh, there's stuff on every table for you, so make sure you go to all their tables. Uh, get to know who we support. Get to know them. Thanks, you can have a seat. Second, get behind them. Financially, yes. In prayer, yes. Prayer partnership is essential work. The Apostle Paul told his prayer supporters in Corinth, he writes this, you must help us by prayer. Real prayer is that important. And here's a practical way to get behind our missions partners, our missionaries in prayer. If you're involved in a small group, 
every time your small group meets and you pray for each other, also pray for one missionary or missions partner and their region of the world. So for example, let's say you're, uh, you guys have as a small group selected the bowlings. So every time you get together, you pray for one another, you also pray for the bowlings and for La Paz, Mexico and their region of the world, our brothers and sisters in Christ there in La Paz. Every time you gather, pray for one missionary that we support and their region of the world. But we can't outsource our outreach to them in addition to the essential activities of engaging in God's mission through prayer and giving, we also engage through hospitality and leveraging our unique gifts and skills. So the second way to get connected is to be a host. As many of you know, hospitality is the world's love language. In God's providence, God is bringing the nations to Orlando. He's bringing international students, immigrants, refugees into your neighborhoods. It's an explicit command of scripture to love the sojourner, the foreigner. These are literally the exact words of scripture in Deuteronomy 10, 19. Love the sojourner. Sydney Owens, where's Sydney? If, all right, Sydney is our most recent missionary. Congratulations. And she's working among, as Micah said, international students at UCF. How can we help her show hospitality to the nations on our doorstep? Can we open our home to an international student or to a group activity? Maybe there's a practical way for us to support the church plant. Heath and Emily Zuninga are leading in South Orlando among the Latino community. And God may be bringing people from the nations into your life in other ways too. We engage in God's uh, mission to bring restoration to people from every nation, tribe, and language when we welcome the foreign-born with hospitality. Number three, leverage your gifts and skills. When you walked in, uh, you, there, you were asked, what are your unique gifts and skills? And God has given each of us unique talents and the aptitude to develop professional skills for three reasons. To make a living and provide for our family, to serve our local church and our local community, the common good, and to serve the global church in some way. Because we're part of this one family and the gifts are for that one family. Now we're working on developing a digital two-way marketplace that will facilitate short-term opportunities to connect your gifts and skills with global needs. And those opportunities might be virtual or on-site for two hours or two weeks, kind of like an upwork.com or a match.com for missions. That's in the works. Uh, as a church, we're also committed to providing other short-term opportunities that meaningfully leverage what you do well and advance the goals and witness of our international partners. But for now, can we simply pray, Lord, open opportunities for me to use my gifts and skills to serve your church around the world? I don't know how that's gonna look. I'm curious to see what God will do, but that's in line with his will and it'd be exciting to see what opportunities God opens up if we say, Lord, would you give me opportunities to use my gifts and skills for the good of your global church? Fourth and last point here as we kind of wrap it up, dream big. Dream big. At LBC, we believe that the church is the spearhead for the advance of the gospel. In God's timing, 
we dream of planting one or two gospel-centered churches in another country. And we think one way we could do that is in cooperation with ICC, the International Christian Community. That's a fellowship, as Mike described, of English-speaking, internationally diverse, gospel-centered churches in the principal cities of Europe. Could you have a short-term or maybe a long-term role in helping establish an English-speaking church for the international community in Europe? Does business or connections already bring you there? I'm just planting a seed. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But that's our dream. And maybe God has a plan for you. Number two, while we're talking about seed planting, what about career missions? As a PCA church, we work with the missions arm of the PCA called Mission to the World. Maybe the Lord is calling you to serve with MTW. If so, we want to walk that journey of preparation with you, so talk with us. Number three, keep learning. Family members give and receive. Global family members give and receive. There's so much we can learn from our brothers and sisters around the world. And a great way to keep learning from them is to actively look for written and spoken insights from non-Western Christians. If you don't know where to start, I encourage you to read something by Ajith Fernando. Ajith Fernando. He's the teaching director of Youth for Christ in Sri Lanka. He's written an incredible book called Jesus Driven Ministry. If you want to hear from a non-Western voice, start by hearing from Ajith Fernando. Remember how we started with word association? As we come to the end of our study this morning, I hope that you will associate two words with good news for the world. Restored and connected. We are restored by God and we're connected with the global church for witness to the world. Restored and connected. That's good news for the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we long for restoration in our own lives. You know all that needs to be restored, all that's broken in our lives. Thank you that that's your mission to bring that restoration, not just with you, but with others and within ourselves. We thank you for that. Help us to be uh, agents of restoration in our communities. And we thank you that we're connected to such an, something so much bigger than ourselves, this incredible, growing, diverse body of Christ. And Lord, we just ask that you would give us opportunities to humbly partner with the global church to bring the gospel to the nations. We don't even know what that would totally look like, but we ask that you would open up those opportunities for us to do that. And we pray in Christ's name, amen.